Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Welcome home. Here we are. We're in church. We're in church. We're in church. Man, so good to see people and see faces and have air conditioning on. We had a little fuse go out last week. The enemy tried to get us all sweaty and annoyed, but we, we, we not today, devil. We, we overcame and uh, we have air on. We might be using a little too much air. That's okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to enjoy that. Um, man, I just want everyone to get filled up. That was such a good worship uh, service and moment. Oh, man, thank you, team. Just get filled up. Amen. Four months of, of craziness, and it still continues. And so um, just get filled up. Just get filled up this morning. I just want you to be encouraged and filled up. Uh, Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar, and give to God what's God's. I wish I, maybe I should have preached on this this morning. I don't know. Um, but, but first of all, we should not be talking about Caesar all day, every day. But that's what we're doing because we're in a, a moment where the focus is on, on government ordinances and guidelines. And I love Jesus. I love Jesus because they didn't expect Jesus to, to say, pay your taxes. They came and said, do we have to pay the taxes? They kind of expected Jesus to be like, you know, not really. I'm from a different kingdom, right? You kind of expected the, and he's like, Who, whose face is on that coin? And they're like, it's Caesar. Um, and they're like, well, just give to Caesar with Caesar. Now, the thing about Caesar is you have to. Or you go to prison or back then you die. <laughs> it's a little more intense. Um, but if you don't pay your taxes, there's, there's some ramifications. With God, there is no law. There is no rule. It's a free offering. It's, God, you gave me everything. I just want to respond to that. I want to give you my heart. We, we should not be discussing our entirety of our lives from dawn to dusk about Caesar. It is important. It affects our lives. Jesus didn't say it wasn't. But give to God, which is, which is God's, which is, which is everything. And, it, 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 and, and every once in a while, Caesar and Jesus do seem to overlap. There's some moral issues that sometimes people are like, hey, you know, maybe we should talk about that as a church. Um, Maybe we should discuss that. It can get complicated and convoluted at times. But it, it does break my heart a little bit that the church is discussing certain things that are more to do in Caesar's domain than Jesus' domain. Because just, just so you know, the church around the world has been closed for four months. I don't know about you, but that, that's not a good thing. Um, and so, again, I don't mean to take a side this morning. You're here, so I'm preaching to the choir uh, we're all about safety. We're all about health. Um, but life has to go on. And if you've ever experienced death, which is the worst, you feel like quitting and giving up. The day that you experience an intimate death in your, in your family, what do you feel like doing? Just like, take me home, God. I don't feel like doing any. I feel like quitting. I feel like, but guess what? Life goes on, doesn't it? It, it has to go on. You, 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 you find yourself burying that person and. We've done that a few times. You find yourself at a memorial service. 
I want you to know that we're here to just simply make a stand that life goes on. Life goes on. We, 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 we have to deal with the current situation as best as we can. But we cannot stay home and pretend that we're all just going to be safe from everything and just hold up till there's no danger. We can't do that. It doesn't mean we can't take precautions. It doesn't mean we can't live with wisdom. It doesn't mean we can't talk about what Caesar needs every once in a while. But God help us if the church isn't inundated with what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is doing, and then a little bit maybe discuss what Caesar's doing on your Facebook. But what is Jesus doing in your life? What is Jesus doing in the church? What is Jesus? And that's not, I'm not in denial of reality. I buried my brother. I buried some people in my life. But guess what? Life, I had to wipe my face, wipe my tears, get up, and live some life. When you lose someone, they tell you in their last breath, don't mourn me. Yeah, but live your life and, and, and kiss your kids and go do something for God and honor me with your life. You don't honor someone with your death. Honor me with your life. And so we have to live. It might look a little differently. So please pass on the message. You know, pass on the message, man, that God is on the move. And, and this is serious. This is real. And people need salvation, and people need prayer, and people need to be filled up. Amen? Without condemnation. In your own time, in your own grace. But here we are offering grace and the spirit of Jesus to get filled up. Because we all need it. We all need it. Amen? All right. I, uh, there's, some, there's, some, there's some cream up here. This is good. This is, this is we, have some, we have some spilling of the, of the coffee and uh, do we do we have, we have a just thank you just a, we just do a little okay there we go okay all right there we go sorry that was supposed to go a little farther amen I'm still in the book of Ruth I hope you're okay I'm trying to get to the the climactic conclusion but I do really feel like there's something about this book right now that I think that God wants to impart to us amen and uh, so. Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cruise through a new portion of Ruth here, but I, I just think there's something about Ruth's determination that I've never seen before, her ability to break the flow, her ability to go against the what she perceived, or I think what could be perceived as God speaking to her. Uh, Naomi is telling her and, and life is telling her that, that it's probably better for her to go home. And, and, and oftentimes, I think we are people of the flow. We are people of signs. We are people of counsel. It's good. We are people of making decisions on sort of what I would call the flow. But you are also called to break the flow. Now, one of the, one of the hardest things in life to break the flow is, is when, is when in your relationships, what you have in common changes. Okay? So Ruth and Naomi and, and Orpah, what they had in common was marriage. It was life. Ruth was married to Naomi's son. Now, when he dies, they no longer have marriage, happiness, love, grandkids on their way in common. They now have death in common. Now, if you've ever felt like people are losing their common sense... We lose common sense when we lose what we used to have in common. 
And so we have to even as the church, that's why I'm always looking for unity with my evangelical brothers, my charismatic friends, my, my Catholic. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm not just looking to sort of just, you know, whatever and give up truth and just find common ground for the sake of whatever. No, but I'm looking for something common because Jesus brought me in to common union, communion with him. And we could not be any different. He's light, I'm dark. Um, so I'm always looking for, and so what was in this relationship, which was in common, now switched. So all of a sudden, if you've had friends serve God, and all of a sudden they're not, and you lose what you have in common, it puts a strain on the relationship, and you got to figure out, do I sow into this, or do I let it go? Do I go after this, or do I say goodbye? Now, some of us need more of the gift of goodbye. Because if you're like me, I, I love pleasing people. You might not think I'm that way, but I do need to be liked. I really do. It's probably why I'm not on social media enough. Uh, it's because I kind of need to be liked, and I don't like the, the comments sometimes. And so I'm like, I said I'm good. I'm like, I'm good. It's a false reality, you know. Um, and so when you lose what you have in common, it's really difficult to figure out, God, is this you? Are you in this flow? Are you calling me to break this flow? Because you were anointed to break the flow. Good and bad. See, there might be a flow of like eight architects in your family, but you are called to be an entrepreneur. There might be, might be eight tradesmen in your family, but, but, but you are called to go to school. It's difficult, especially when you lose what you have in common with family, friends, community, country, globe, to figure out God. Because oftentimes when you break the flow, you are the only one in that moment in your sphere or world called to break the flow. But somebody at some point is called to change or break the flow. And so Ruth, she breaks the flow of what is 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 looking like what's what's her portion and what she's called to do but she says no she says no and we've read this let's pick up in verse 19 or 18 that says that when she saw that she was determined to go with her she stopped speaking to her determination broke the flow verse 19 now the two of them Naomi and Ruth went until they came to Bethlehem and it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all of the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again, empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. You ever thought, am I just in a bad mood or am I being honest? Like Naomi, get in a good mood. I mean, can you imagine some of us would have gone to Jesus in the garden? He's like bleeding tears. We've been like, Jesus, you're the son of God. You're going to be in heaven soon. You ever thought sometimes, you know, when Jesus, he wept for Lazarus and he was about to raise him from the dead? See, what is human and what is divine? What is, what is flesh and what is faith? See, it's difficult in life. When God is bringing you to a deeper place of vulnerability, you're going to feel like you're losing faith. And yet God is, is causing you to break the flow of fake or something in that relationship. So it's, it's difficult. Here, Naomi, just, I think, just being brutally honest. 
So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. There was a relative, chapter 2, of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened. She happened. She happened. She happened. She didn't plan it. She just happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family, who was of the family of Elimelech. Amen. All right. Break the flow, part three. Break the flow, part three. Let's get into it. Lord, we thank you for church. God, we thank you that that human history is riddled with conflict, and yet you redeem all of it. Lord, we we thank you that that this this season that we find ourselves in is how much do we want to talk about it and how much we don't. We do pray, God, that we could preserve this this place, this special place, this place called church, the the ecclesia, the, you know, I'm going to come out from my past, and I'm going to come out from my comfort zone. I'm going to come out of my home, and I'm going to gather. I'm going to wash my face. I'm going to throw on an outfit. I'm going to prepare myself a little bit as I prepare to come before your presence. Lord, that we would, we would come together. We would, we would unite around common things. We're never going to agree on everything. You never even asked us to. You just asked us to value unity and to value communion and value the, the one Lord and the one baptism and one church and fight for the unity. When there is unity, there's a blessing. And God, we just pray that we would unify the, around the fact that you saved the best for last. So even if this is the end times, Lord, you saved the best for last. And that means we ought to expect that a full revelation of Jesus would hit this planet, which would, which would, which would come to pass, and, and the church would be birthed even, even greater. And, Lord, people would, thousands by tens of, of thousands would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, operating in their gifts. God, we thank you that you are at work even when we don't see it. Lord, we thank you that you are in charge even when we don't feel it. Lord, we look Look to you today, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of faith. And when, 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 when it's all said and done and, and, and prophecy will cease and speaking in tongues will cease yet, and, and faith and hope, Lord, yet the, the greatest of these is love. Lord, we, we thank you, God, that, 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 that you're teaching us, Lord, love. And you teach us by giving us love, Lord, that we might receive your presence today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good to be in church. Woo. Man. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, the phone is ringing. Pick it up. Many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. Come on. Pick up that, pick up that phone. Pick it up. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit of a creative person. I'm not saying I'm that creative. Okay? Just a little. And I'm a little visionary. Not a lot. I'm working on it. Um, I want to see what's not there. Amen. Um, but I'm slightly given to that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a tree fort builder by nature. Ever since I was little, I just would find wood, climb up in trees, and just hammer things into the tree and as high as possible. Amen. That's just what I do. Um, but I've learned to be a planner. Where's my planners? Where are my admin at? My admin people. Okay. 
Okay, nobody. Cool. Awesome. Where's my creative people? Any of my creatives? Okay, more creative people maybe. All right, all right, cool. So, you know, if we're, we kind of find ourselves, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a difficulty because I, I like going to Costco and just it's a journey, right? And a journey is you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to buy steak or chicken. I don't know if I'm going to get a ribeye or kale, right? I love it. I thrive on the, ha, ah, this is an adventure. Well, life demands some planning. So slowly I have become a meal planner. I have become the guy with the Costco list. Uh, my father-in-law gave me his Costco list, and so I adopted it into my phone, and it's an extensive list of Costco items. They have 5,000 SKUs, just in case you knew that or didn't know that. Uh, they only carry 5,000. I wish they carried 7,000, but that's either here or there. Um, but then I run into, as I say, Ruth, uh, the Moabitis, a Tiffany, the Chemis-itis. Um, sorry, I don't know what's happening here. Anyways. Tiffany was like, okay, that's, that list is good, but do you have a list in accordance with where the items are in the store? And I was like, ooh, next level. Yeah, because you walked down in the first, okay. So I was like, that's, that's another level. So when you become a meal planner, your, your whole world opens up to, this is amazing. Because I repent of, like, throwing out food. If you've ever been in that moment where you get to the fridge and you're like, ah, Brussels sprouts again, right? We didn't eat those veggies. Uh, not us. We always eat all of our veggies, amen. And all of the carbs and sugars never get eaten in our home. Um, I lie. And so we're throwing out all these things, and you're like, man, I really want to plan better. So you guys understand. You get the chicken. You hopefully, so you do taco night, and then you do chicken salad or whatever. Yeah. So we're, we're meal planning so we can save money. Because if you've ever been to a store where at the end of the experience, you're like, how did I spend $399, right? You're like, that was $999. I got a couple of $999 items. How did that turn into $399? We'll do the math. Yeah, it's just 30 of those. So it's deceptive. The house always wins. House always wins. So uh, what am I talking about? All right. So I'm meal planning, and I love it, right? You start to feel in charge. After a couple of months of saving money and, and planning meals, you start to feel incredible. Then there comes a day where, say, it's Thursday, the sun's out, and it's You've meal planned, and your, your leftover tri-tip that you ate Monday night has turned into stew by Thursday night, right? So it's stew night. Thursday night is stew night. Well, you, you, you meal planned it, and you thought it was going to be around 65 degrees. It's a nice, still, nice, cool, early summer evening where stew is going to be fine. But by mid-afternoon, it's starting to heat up a little bit, and it's like in the 80s, and you're like, stew is not going to work. But you're like, I'm meal planning, right? It's happening. It's stew night. But you start to sense as, as, as a man of God that you should take your family and probably be flexible. And you should probably cancel, cancel the meal plan and, and take your family, make some sandwiches and head on down to the river. And that's what the family needs. But it's difficult because the flow that God has taught you in the last couple of years as a creative visionary to unlock some wonderful things, I'll just cut to the chase. Some of you need to chill out and be flexible, but yet some of you need to learn planning and structure. And what's difficult about life is God will teach you something and he'll give you a strength. 
But at the same time, your strength could be your greatest weakness. See, I have words. God gave me words. And it's a strength, but it's a weakness. Some of you, God gives you no words. And you think, and you plan, and you prod, and you write. And it's a strength, but it's weakness. See, the flow, we look for God in the flow, but God is not always in the flow. So when you go, oh my gosh, this Thursday night, it's stew night over my dead body. Are we not going to eat this stew? Because God has called me to steward this money. He's called me to plan. And when you've got to bring together multiple schedules and multiple financial situations, and you take some ground in your life, but that might be the very thing that's killing you on that Thursday night is your inability to be flexible, pivot, and make a different decision. How to go against the flow. How to break the flow of what seemingly is God because we look around and and have we become, though, hooked on living by sight? Calling it the flow, calling it pastoral advice, calling it what my mom wants, calling it, well, the book says to do it. But the truth of it is, is all of it is good, except for you at that moment. God wants to be a bit more personal because, yes, there's some strengths that God brings with the flow. But every once in a while, he'll raise up a young man or a young woman in your family to break the flow. And you're not going to be able to see it. By sight, you're not going to be able to look around and go, whoo, I think this is what we ought to do. But there's something inside of you. There's a word. There's a sense that we should pack up some sandwiches and go to the river. He'll break this flow. And some of us, it's the opposite. We just find ourselves in the store pulling items into our cart. And every week... We're going deeper in debt. And God say, it's time to break the flow. Because what happens with the strength that you call flexibility or an ease, I'm a free spirit. Well, that free spirit might be killing your financial situation. And your inability to pick up the phone and humble yourself and call a financial advisor or call someone to say, I need some help. You see how strong it takes to be weak? Because, see, I'm supposed to have it together. Especially as a pastor. Like, I can't admit weakness because, because, because someone might expect. See, we always expect ourselves to be further along than we are. Always. You're not where you want to be fine, but you're not where you used to be. You're not where you used to be. Amen? You're not where you used to be. Don't let the enemy come and say, you should be farther. All of us at, at, at any stage of our lives prefer to be farther along the journey. But understand that your previous place of provision was a good thing. And that's what is so difficult about the flow. See, Egypt was a place of provision for the Israelites. He, God brought Joseph. You remember Joseph in the pit? Joseph being sold off by his brothers. Joseph in Potiphar's house. Joseph in Egypt. He's interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh. He's raised up as second in command. And his brothers come in a famine and get grain. God grew the Israelites in 400 years of slavery. It was a place of provision for his people. But at some point in time he said that's it it's time to deliver you out of what was a previous place of provision and so he will anoint you in your heart in your mind through his word and he will raise you up to break the flow to break it to change it 
That's it. For, your, for, for, for hundreds of years, your family was this and was that, and you would celebrate it. You would celebrate what was functional. You would celebrate what was dysfunctional. You would celebrate being late to everything. You enjoyed it. You celebrated. You're like, We're, all you people are so intense. But he'll raise up someone to say, that's it. It's, you're going to be called to break that. You're going to be called to change the way you talk about that. You're going to be called to change what was so normal or what was even a strength in your family but it's so difficult to break the flow because you talk about it but when push comes to shove you come up on the promise land and that inner slave in you that inner that past in you just goes man let's go back let's go back let's go back it takes too much energy to be a soldier I thought I wanted to be a soldier I kind of like being a slave let's go back but God will call you to break the flow, to break the chain, to break a lie. But it's difficult because, because, see, this message is more caught than taught. And that's probably why I miss you. I wish we could all just sit around and have coffee and just discuss this. Because I miss people. How you doing? Hey, how you, how you good to see you? How the last four months? It's so weird to preach to people that we've been in our houses for four months. Like, hey, how you doing? Oh, my goodness. Because it's, it's these conversations that are difficult. It's the conversations of when do you pivot? In a conversation when you don't agree with something. When you need to talk to your mom. Mom, I just, I think that our family has a bad habit in this. We need to change. <laughs> what do you do when you're trying to get your family to church, right? And, and your teenager doesn't want to go. But you, you, you need to make them. But you don't want to make them because you don't want it to be a religious thing. See, this is, this is, this is where we live. And so God will speak in your heart. But if we're so hooked on, you know what I think God's doing? You know what I think God's doing? God is often not in the flow. What God is doing is often not in the flow. And so you have to go to his word or you have to go to relationship with him or you have to go to his peace. See, I stre- this stressed me out so much. That's why I just want to talk about it and have a fireside chat because, you know, when the market is hot, right, you need to buy. You know how many years me and Carrie stressed out in hot markets? Because everyone around us was like, you need to really buy. You need to buy. And I'm a youth pastor making like 19.5 a year, you know, and I'm like, I don't know how. So I just wake up stressed out that I'm missing the will of God because the market is hot, right? It's a seller's market. You're like, ah, I don't want to miss God. You need to sell. Then you sell and you're on the streets. You're like, whoops. I sold. Everything's expensive. Mom. Dad, but that's what happens. Is there wisdom to the flow? Sure, but we've got to go beyond that into a relationship with God where he is the source of our faith and the flow might be counteracting what God is speaking through his word or speaking through faith that that ought to be what we look to first. Break the flow. It takes faith. It takes faith. We're anointed to break the chains. We're anointed. All right, Ruth, Ruth. Ruth is awesome. Ruth is strong. Ruth is determined. Ruth will speak her mind, but not out of an attitude, out of just honesty. Ruth is strong. When you, when you read this book and you read Ruth, I mean, she's bad. She's just like, she knows when to say no and she knows when to say yes. Isn't that our issue? No, no, yes, no, shoot. What is that? Is that no to that? Is it, is it no? 
Is it, is it yes? Is it, is it, is it? The Bible says that your no be no and your yes, yes. Hold on. No, no, I switched this. Yes on that. And no, that's right. No, no. Family first, but not when it coincides with missing church. Because I want to raise my family in church. Yes. So camping, got to give up on some traditions. Because we used to go to the beach on all those dates. Plus sick days. Wow, we're only in church. Okay. But my family, no. Yes. It's the no's and the yeses. And, and, and Ruth's like, no to Naomi. I'm not going home. But that no wasn't out of fear or stubbornness. It was out of faith. And, and then she seems to do a 180. You would think the spirit of Ruth would be this defiant, strong, like, hey, Naomi, I'm going to go out and glean. I'll be back when I want. That's not Ruth. She's like, oh, Naomi, can I please go glean? She's asking. She, I mean, she's, 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 she's full of this determination, but that oozes through submission. She's got this humility and this strength and this vulnerability, and she's got words, and she's got thoughts, and she's got humility, and she's got grace, and she's got poise, and she's got favor before God. And man, she's a woman of, of God, and yet she's not because she's from Moab. And so she doesn't have this lineage, which points to the fact that, that faith is the great equalizer because you don't have to have the degree or have the pedigree to be called into the grace of God. God could just deposit something that wasn't in your mom or your dad or your lineage or in your last name he could just put something inside of you that causes you to sense and to know when to say no and when to say yes and to plan out your way it's not as complicated as we make it sound some of the phds in theology have taken you farther away from god than closer to god it's actually much easier than you could have ever imagined to walk with god and break the flow that he's called you to do they've lied to you They've lied. That's why I have, I have, if there's any strength I have, I want to make myself look dumb so you will believe and know that serving God and reading the Bible and going to church and raising your kids to follow after God is actually easy. It's easy to serve God. It's hard to serve the devil. It's easy to have faith. It's hard to have fear. It's easy to be optimistic. It's difficult to be pessimistic. I reject the lies of the enemy. That all I I reject, I reject it. The devil's under my feet. I don't come to him in my name. I come to him in the name of Jesus. Ruth points to Jesus. And that's why Jesus is in her lineage. She points to Jesus' strength. All right, a few points on submission. Number one, submission is strong. It takes strength. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to submit in marriage to God, the Bible says submit one to another. If the enemy can get you from submission, he knows he's just robbed you of your mission. Because submission always leads to mission. And he'll, it, it'll tell you, your flesh will tell you, that submission is weakness. Isn't that what you feel? Go clean the toilet. No! Well, stand up for my right. My right to party. The Beastie Boys told me I, I need to stand up for my opinion and not be a doormat. I just read the book Boundaries. No! That's not, that's not strength. And if I had 10 minutes and I was still a youth pastor, I would be more dramatic about that scene right there. But we understand. We all kind of have that. Ah! No. 
Why? Because it takes strong, it takes so much strength when a crazy boss asks you to do something. Go, go refile those papers. And you already did it five times. You know how much strength it takes to go, okay. <laughs> oh, that takes some strength. You know how much strength it takes, men, when your wife is pregnant and she sent you down to Burgerville? And the cheeseburger was cold, and she didn't order the waffle fries. She ordered the normal fries. And you know you wish you had a recorder. <laughs> so you go down and get the waffle fries, and she goes, where's the ranch? And you're like, <laughs> And the speech I want to give her is, do you know the husband you married? You ever wanted to give someone that speech? Do you know how good you have it? Maybe it's just me. I'm revealing my arrogance. Do you know, church, how good you have it with a pastor like me? That's what we want to do. You know what strength it takes? I'll go get the ranch, babe. Why? Because I love you. It takes strength. Why? Because I'm on a submission. My feet, it doesn't mean they don't matter. It just means not now. My feelings, not now when it comes to masks and not now when it comes to community, not now when it comes to raising up the name. I got to regain my focus, not now, maybe someday, but right now I'm on a submission because the mission of Jesus Christ and the mission of the church and the mission of souls and the mission of global revival and the name of Jesus being more famous than my name. God help us. I'm on a submission. And it takes strength. Number two, it sends a report. Submission sends a report. Check this out in verse 11. And Boaz answered, chapter 2, verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done. It has been fully reported to me. Ruth didn't know this. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Every time you submit in grace and humility and serving and you feel like you're a doormat and you feel like you're being walked over, God is sending a full report of your character and your faith forward. Every time you act, though, in selfishness, you stop the report. Every time you, you act in your own self-interest, you've just stopped You've just stopped the mission of grace and, and blessing in your life. That's why people recycle seasons. Here we go again. Yeah, exactly. Here we go again. Until you act in humility and grace, God can't take what is of the flesh and throw it forward. He can only take what is of his word and what is of grace and what is of God to send it forward on your behalf. Submission sends a full report. Full report. A full report. I didn't know this, but, 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 but God had radically touched my life when I was 19, and I was leading prayer meetings. I was not trying to get a job as a youth pastor, but, but I was being watched, and, and, and people are, are watching you. But you never know which ones. The one that you thought was watching you, you know, you're like, oh, man. It's a lot better around that person, right? There is a, that's not the person. I didn't know I was being watched, but a full report was going forward. Full report was going forward. And you learn this. You're like, you never know who's in the room. That's why even as a preacher, a worship leader, I always tell my worship, you never know who's from Nashville in the room. Like, you sing your best song. Sing it to the Lord. <laughs> Preach your best message to the Lord. But you never know who's in the room. We started this church in our house. Like, like you never know what Sunday that person it's going to come to your church. A lot of the times it's, oh, it's opposite. The person you think is your next youth pastor 
like, man, that's it, right? And just poof, crumbles and falls. You never see them again. They tell you one Sunday, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm a Ruth, right? And you're like, I'm Naomi, come here. And you're like, where did that person go? Right? You don't see them ever again. Submission sends a full report. Number three, submission makes you smart. Check this out. Verse 14. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parchment grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. This woman is bold. Boaz said, this is for you. And she's not being deceitful. She's just taking some back for Naomi. Submission gives you clarity on all of the little nuances of life and the, and the little decisions. But when you're not submitted and you're fighting with people and you're angry and you're defending yourself, it makes you dumb. And you say dumb things. I am chief dumb talker of so many conversations. <laughs> Defensiveness causes you to say dumb things. So if you ever feel dumb and someone says, no, you're not. No, tell them the truth. Yes, you are. And what you said was dumb. Because it takes one to know one. And I know I am one. That says dumb things, but submission allows me to say the right things. This has uprooted some of the most destructive things I would say in my marriage, and I would defend myself. It was a joke, Carrie. It was supposed to be funny. Every man dies at the altar. If it was a joke, it was a joke. No, it's a jab. It was a passive-aggressive comment. It was defensiveness, and it was a joke. I love all the jokes that we say to each other. Aren't we just funny people? <laughs> it was a joke. Hey, Brandon, you missed church last Sunday. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Just kidding. Get, get that out because it's killing your relationships, and you're wondering why a full report's not going forward. You're not saying smart things, and you're not strong. It's because you're not submitted, and you are defending your, your little that God has given to you. But he wants you to take your eyes off of what's around you and say, I'm not in the flow necessarily. I, I am eventually. The flow is an outcome of a, of a group of people that decide by the word and by my presence that it's time to break the flow in that moment. It only can come through my word. Number four, submission sets you up. Submission sets you up. Submission, submission, learning my no and my yes. No, I'm not going to go back, Naomi. God's called me to you. That my no is not a faith. See, when you learn to submit and you say yes first, then you'll learn your no. And your no has got to be a faith, not a fear. Or else you'll just be saying no to everybody out of fear. And there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. That's why you can say no to someone in a conversation, but not defend the Bible or defend your opinion. But you can seriously defend what you believe to be the revelation of God in your life, trying to bless them and not defend yourself. You no longer have any interest in making yourself look good. You literally have taken out the plank in your own eye, and now you have a grace to help deliver them. Submission helps you know when to say, no, I can't allow you necessarily in this conversation to say that about the Bible. I love you, but you need to know this about the Word of God and what you heard in school was wrong. You need to understand that the Bible was written over thousands of years by lots of authors inspired. It's a mathematical. They haven't heard some of the things that you know, but they won't receive it from you if you're defending yourself and you're saying no to them. Your no has got to be a faith. Try 
trying to reach someone and bring them closer to the grace and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it takes someone submitted and submission to the mission of Jesus Christ. Submission. No, Naomi, I'm not going back. Naomi, can I glean? Yes. Okay. Okay. And she stumbled upon the field of Boaz. See, when you're submitted, it'll set you up for mission. The, the biggest thing that we get confused with is that the submission is the mission. And we talked about this last week, but we, this is where every mission dies. I wasn't created to clean toilets and wipe the floor of a stage and listen to the worship leader just tell me to print music off all the time. I wasn't meant to just make pizzas. I wasn't meant to just, wasn't meant to just be a housewife. I just wasn't meant to just... See, all that submission... Is setting you up to stumble upon some, some grace and some favor. So when people ask you, Ruth, how did you find Boaz? I didn't. Do you see the source of that? Isaac, where would you get these shoes? Amazon, because all the stores are closed. So, yeah, I had to get some vans on Amazon. A lot of fun. Let's see if they fit when they come. That's the source. That's the source. Sun? No, Amazon. Ruth, where did you find Boaz? I didn't. How did you find it? Submission. See, it's all sourced in the same way. How would you find such a great uh, a wife? Uh, I didn't. I submitted. The mission trip came to Tonga. I prayed about it, and God said, go. I went, and she was there. And as a youth pastor, I used to preach all the time about her, and they, literally Carrie was never there. For years, people thought I married a Tongan woman, which would have been awesome. But when a blonde hair, blue-eyed girl showed up, I was like, what was I preach? Oh, that's right. I'd always preach. I went to Tonga and found a wife. So they're like, where's your Tongan wife? You're going to have beautiful babies. I'm like, I know, but I didn't marry a Tongan. <laughs> Submission. Hey, where did you find the call of God? Submission. Whew. It's for somebody. Hey, where did you find? Submission. Ruth, how did you find Boaz? Give me that. Write a book. She wrote a book about Submission. Set you up. Number five. I wish I had time on this one. Submission serves and works. I remember my father-in-law also telling me, he was like, hey, if you need something done, find someone busy. Isn't it amazing that Jesus found Peter when he was working? God, God, God found David shepherding sheep. Abraham. Paul was a tent maker. There's something about God that likes people, even if they're doing it wrong and they're not good at it, that just have a sense of not sitting back and judging and sharing their opinion, but willing to get their hands just moving. Ruth, Ruth was a worker. She said, let me go glean. Let me go and work. There's something about submission that says, you know what? I don't want to be a food critic of the church. I want to be a chef. I don't want to sit back and just judge people and judge society. I know it's whack. I know it's messed up. But God, put me in. I want to do something to help cause change to come to this church. I love when people point out things about our church and I say, I know. I know. Of course I know. Of course your family knows. But are you willing to get your hand, roll up your sleeves and say, God, I'm submitted to you. I want to do the work of resisting the devil in my family. I want, to do the, I want to do the work of breaking the flow in my family. I want to do the work of breaking the flow in this region. 
the most unchurched region in America. I want to break the flow of, of figuring out my family schedule and my work schedule so I can raise my kids in church. I know people don't like church and everyone's got a definition of church and well, should, we should go out more. I understand that. But I'm telling you biblically, we are called to gather under the name of Jesus and hear the preaching of the word and pray for each other and be built up in your faith. And this is a microcosm of heaven because heaven is falling to earth and I'm not meant to do life alone. I'm not meant to do life. I'm not codependent. I'm interdependent. I've got my own faith. I've got my own salvation. But for some reason, God connected my faith and it, it, to you, and it never, it never really sees the fullness until you're here. It's amazing. It's amazing. I love this. Jesus shows up to Peter and says, follow me. We see submission. He left a business. He went back to the boat, Peter. So we know it was a business because he still had boats and things after he left them. His family was, a, was, a, was probably a prominent fishing family on the Sea of Galilee. And so when Jesus calls him and says, follow me, and he drops the nets, it says immediately, there was a spirit of submission. There was a spirit of, yeah, even when he messed up, and that submission allowed him to accomplish his mission just a bit over three years from that day where he stands up on the day of Pentecost and a rough neck, longshoreman fisherman like Peter who said the wrong thing. His strength was his greatest weakness, but through submission to the Word of God, he was able to accomplish his mission on planet Earth and preach the revelation of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved. See, what's so incredible about submission and mission is we, we grow weary and well-doing in submission because we're like, God, is the mission ever going to happen? Because you have to understand, Ruth, no, you weren't created just to submit. You weren't created just to glean. You weren't created just to take scraps in your pockets for Naomi. No, your mission is to marry Boaz. Your mission is to have Obed and in Jesse, and then Jesse has David, and then generations give way to Jesus. Ruth, that's your mission, but the submission sets you up for the mission, and even greater than that, God, I believe, says that while you're doing submission, I'm doing mission, and that ought to give you faith that it isn't a, well, God's going to sit back and watch you submit for the entirety of your life, and then maybe if you get it perfect, God will give you a few crumbs. No, while you're submitting, he's on, he's on mission. And this is what's difficult. This is what's difficult. This is what's difficult because, because two things are happening at the same time. See, right now it's daytime here, but it's nighttime in Australia. And this metaphor, it falls short. But the, the point is there's, 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 there's two realities. We're watching the sunset last night, right? But the, 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 it's still, like, still, I still have to Google it. It's like the sun doesn't move, Jude, but we're moving around the sun. It doesn't feel like we're moving. It doesn't feel like we're moving. See, there's two realities happening. There's two realities happening. So when you're in submission, God is on mission working in your life. 
See, while you're submitting and you're laying down your nets, God is already beginning to work in your heart and raising you up as a preacher. All you see is nets and all you see is arguments. All you see is Jesus calling you Satan. Peter, get behind me. But at the same time, he's saying your name is no longer Simon. It's Peter and on this rock, I'm going to build the church and I'm giving you the keys. While you're submitting, he is working in your heart and preparing the very message and the very anointing that God's going to give you in just three years to birth the church of Jesus Christ. That's how powerful our God is. Ruth, while you're gleaning, I'm working. I'm doing things. I'm I'm giving you favor that you don't even know you have. All you're doing is being obedient and submission. And while you're doing that, I'm preparing Boaz to like you and want to marry you. I'm already putting things in place while submission is taking place. Mission is taking place. Faith is the substance. There's our word. Whew, love it. Substance. It's the, it's, it's the substance below. Faith is the thing that you don't see, but it's the thing that's needed to break the flow. The flow is an after effect of faith. That's why if the church gets hooked on looking at the flow, they'll never get the faith that it actually takes to break the flow and set a new flow according to the word of God and what he has for you. You're looking at the iceberg in this season and God says it's below the water. It's substance. It's underneath. It's inside. You can't look around you in order to see what I'm doing. You've got to only get this from my word, from relationship, from worship, from prayer, from my word. It's substance. But I do it on the inside first. I love it. Philippians, Philippians. Philippians says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna work out your salvation because of what God has worked in you. I don't know if we have that up there. But he first works it in you, then he works it out. He says, I gotta put it in you. I gotta put it in you. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. For it is God who works in. We keep looking for what's being worked out from previous flows. But God, by His Spirit, says, I'm doing a new thing. No one can see it. It's not in the flow. It's substance. It's below. I work it in, then I work it out. I'm going to work in peace. I'm going to work in faith. I'm going to work in my word. I'm going to work in new schedules. I'm going to work in new joy. I'm going to work it in you, then you're going to work it out. And when enough people work it out, it creates a flow. But when people say, how did that flow of worship take place? How did that flow in your family take place? You'll source it like Ruth, and you'll say from the Word of God, don't look to me, don't look around you, but look to God, the author and the finisher of my faith. Come on, church, give God some praise. He wants to work it in you. Come on, church, He wants to work it in you right now. He wants to give it to you. Right now, he wants to give it to you. Open up your heart. Let him fill you. Right now, right now, right now. He wants to speak. He wants to give it to you. He wants to work it in you. He wants to work it in you. He wants to work it in you right now. He wants to give you his word. He wants to give you his voice. He said, I want to lead you. I want to give you some substance. No 
one can see it. It's below the water. It's a foundation. And what I work in you is about to be worked out of you. But I want to give it to you right now, right now, right now, my word. And that faith is going to break the chain. It's going to break the flow. It's going to break the line. What I give you right now, says the Lord, is going to break. It's going to break. It's going to break the flow. It's going to break sleepless nights. It's going to break depression. It's substance. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. It's substance. It's substance. It's below. It's inside. It's unseen. You can't see this through the flow. You can only see this through faith. And I want to put it inside of you. I believe right now. I believe right now this message is caught, not just taught. He wants to give it to you. Let's sing this song right now. And I believe what God gives you, God gives you is going to break.
give something. So I have faith now. Not fear, I have faith to go home and break the flow. And when you have faith to break the flow, it's not that you're perfect, it's just that you're less going home with some vulnerability, I'm going home with some, some confidence. And when you don't see it, you don't go, I knew it. I knew it. It's you have faith. So when you go to have that conversation and the person doesn't react the way you want it, it's, you're not deterred by it because you have faith. You have substance. You have something that's anchoring your motive and your conversation and your faith. It's not fear. It's not let me try it. So when my gospel is being preached through faith and my marriage is being led by faith and me raising my kids is, is through faith and my finances through faith, I'll know when to meal plan or be flexible. I'll know when to adapt. I'll know when to say yes. I'll know when to say no because it's no longer me just being hooked on what I see or what I feel, but God has given me an unshakable anchor, a substance and a foundation that will stand no matter what I see or what I feel. It's a faith to break every chain. In Jesus' name. If you don't know Jesus, just take this moment. Or you need to dedicate your life to Jesus, just take this moment. Say, Jesus, I want my life to be sourced in you. I want my faith to be sourced in you. I want my church life and my finances and my kids. I want my whole, I want my happiness sourced in you. Whether I get the house or not, or I get the job or not, I want my happiness and my fulfillment sourced in you. Thank you for giving me your life. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, give him some praise. Jesus. 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 Amen. Church, we love you. Thank you for coming this morning. So good. If you need some prayer, come on up here. If you want some prayer, come on up here. Our team will be here to pray with you.